God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone think about these words because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives but greater still the calm child can face uncertain days because he lives sing it out now because he lives i can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because i just because he lives and then one day i'll cross the river i'll fight life's fight no war with pain and then as death gives way to I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I Because I know he holds. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. Great singing. Y'all sing it like you mean it.
It was good to see so many visitors with us today, and so glad each of you inviting your loved ones, your friends. Uh, that, is, that is what the gospel is all about. Jesus Christ came to die for sinners. He loves us. And you see Jesus Christ, everywhere he went, he was inviting people. And his disciples, when they, when they came and found him, and they found hope in the gospel, the first thing they did is they wanted to invite everybody to come and see Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This morning, we're going to go in the Bible and study God's word a little bit together before the baptism service. And I am so excited about these who are following the Lord this morning. If you're glad to be in church today, we just say amen. You know, it's okay uh, this morning during the sermon, every once in a while, it's okay to say amen, all right? I know we live in the north, and it's uh, kind of uncommon maybe to go to church and hear people say amen, but uh, amen just means I agree. Uh, it's so, and so we're just believing God to work, and uh, let's go to Matthew chapter uh, John chapter 11, if you would, with me. John chapter 11, we're going to begin in John 11, and then we're going to go to Matthew 28. <clears throat> John in chapter 11. John chapter 11 in verse 25. Jesus, one of his close friends, Lazarus, had just passed. And his sister was concerned about when Lazarus was going to, if he was going to come back. And Jesus said to her, I am, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever believeth, liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jesus told her, he said, I am, look at what he says, the resurrection and the life. Jesus Christ is both the resurrection and the life. He came to die for our sins. He loves us so much. And thank God he didn't say on that cross. He rose victorious. And today we celebrate his resurrection. I thank the Lord that he is victor. Stories once told of here in Binghamton, New York, that uh, some flowers sent to a competitor, they were sent to a competitor who recently moved into a new building. There was a mix-up at the florist, and the card sent with the arrangement read, with our deepest sympathy. The florist, who was greatly embarrassed, apologized as he delivered the flowers to this new business, but he was even more embarrassed when he realized the card intended for the bank was attached with a floral arrangement sent to a funeral home in honor of a deceased person, and the car read, congratulations on your new location. <laughs> I thank God that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. And my friend, he is seated at the Father's right hand today. I know uh, the family of, of Austin, um, even this morning, I know his grandfather passed and passed from this life. And I know you, you, many of you know him and the family. You're, you're dealing with the grieving of that, with the Parrott family, with, with his loss. I want to take a moment uh, this morning to pray for the family as we begin getting the word this morning. Ask God to comfort the Parrott family, encourage them, and uh, tell you a great day to celebrate the Lord Jesus. 
a great day to celebrate baptism, but also, you know, we're reminded of the brevity of life with the passing of a loved one. I want to pray for that family. Let's take a moment in prayer and ask God to meet with us today in the, in the word. Father, we thank you for your word, that it brings life. And you said you're the resurrection and the life. And today we come to you in faith, believing you to work in our midst. And we ask that you would encourage the Parrott family and the loss of their loved one. Lord, I pray that you would encourage all of Austin's relatives, Lord, in this time of loss. Minister much grace to them as they're here, even this morning. Encourage their hearts. Strengthen them. And I pray, Lord, that you would guide in the service for, the, for him and just uh, continue to comfort them in this time of loss, we pray. And Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning, that we would see Jesus for who he is. And we praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. I am, Jesus said, the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me shall not die. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The promise is a promise of life. There's so many things I love about today. We celebrate his resurrection. He's the only God who rose from the dead, and he invites us today to follow him. It's a commitment. It's trust. It's a living faith. The one thing that sets genuine Christianity apart from simply professing Christian living is, is living faith or dead works. Dead works are powerless to save. See, Today, Savannah and Austin and Jason, they're not getting religion. They're getting an opportunity to identify with Jesus who already died for our sins, who was buried and rose again in the same way that he died, he was buried, he rose, he already paid the price. And today they're just identifying, look, this is the way we used to live. By the grace of God, we're going to live for Christ now. By the grace of God, we're going to raise to walk in newness of life. Jesus Christ rose victorious over the grave. This week, the Lord gave me so many opportunities to invite, to invite folks to these upcoming services. I tell you, people in this community need the Lord, and they are excited uh, because there is hope in the gospel. And today is the best day. Right now is the best time to invite people to the Lord in these uncertain times. The word believeth in the verse means to entrust one's spiritual well-being to Christ. Jesus says, he that believeth in me. To entrust one's spiritual well-being to Christ. Have you entrusted your spiritual well-being to Christ? Good works can't get us into heaven. Even getting baptized, that does not get you saved. You say, why? Remember the thief on the cross? The thief was there crucified on the cross. Jesus Christ is right there. One thief is cursing at Christ. The other thief looks at him and says, Lord, remember me. He says, Lord, please remember me. And Jesus said to him, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The thief never got baptized. He immediately died on the cross. He didn't have time to go to confession and confess his sins. He confessed it to the Savior and the Savior forgave him. Jesus is the one who forgives our sins. I don't forgive sins. Church doesn't forgive your sins. Jesus forgives your sins. Amen? Amen? He is the Savior, and he died for our sins. John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then he said, I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. What does the thief do? He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. Haven't you found that about the world? 
everything the world can offer you at the end of the day, you still got to pay more. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. The devil is a dirty thief, a crooked salesman, and he's always selling cheap substitutes for faith in Christ. Earlier, we read from Matthew 28, and now I invite you to turn with me over to Matthew and chapter 28, and we will take a moment looking into chapter 27 as Jesus dies, and then 28, the celebrating the resurrection. Matthew and chapter 27, we notice in verse 35... The story prior, the context prior to Matthew 28 when he arose from the dead. Verse 35, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. Jesus Christ, as he is crucified, according to the scripture, you realize Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies that said that he was going to come, that he was going to die, where he would be born, where he would die, all these prophecies he fulfilled according to the fullness of time. He came and was crucified. He died for our sins. He died for you. Aren't you thankful he died for you and for me? We did not deserve it, but he died for you and he died for me. It says, and they crucified him in verse 35 of Matthew 27. So much is wrapped up in those four words. The just one died for the unjust to redeem us to God. He endured such a cruel death because he loves you and me. We see both love and we see hatred in those four words. And they crucified him. You realize as God... He could have called 10,000 angels immediately to rescue him. He's God. All power is given unto me. Somebody comes to him with leprosy. He immediately touches them and they're healed. God has not given to us the gifts of healing. They were temporary sign gifts that were given to the apostles. Have you ever taken your loved one to a service and actually had them healed from a genuine disease. I have not seen that happen uh, in a healing service to date. Um, a lot of these healing services are fabricated, okay? In Bible days, they were not. They were real, and they were temporary sign gifts, the Bible tells us. But Jesus Christ, as God, healed the sick, raised the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead, and he healed these people. And in this passage, you say, why did they crucify him? Well, he could have just walked through the crowd. That's what he did other times. They came and they said, we're going we're gonna to take Jesus away. The Pharisees came to gather him up. They go to take Jesus away. He just walks through. See, all power was given and is given unto him. He willingly submitted to a cruel death... Because he loves us. Such love and such hate. And they crucified him. The innocent died for the guilty. He died for us. He endured such a cruel death because he loves us. 
They crucified, they killed, they destroyed. They so hated Christ, they were bound to destroy him. They sought to wipe his name and his followers from off the planet. But did it work? No, it didn't. They didn't realize he was born to die so that we might find life. He loved us so much. Stories told of General William Nelson, a Union general in the Civil War. He was consumed with the battles in Kentucky when a brawl ended up, when it, when a brawl ended up in his being shot mortally in the chest. He had faced many battles, but this fatal blow came while he was relaxing with his men. As such, he was caught fully unprepared, and as the men ran upstairs to help him, the general had just one phrase. All of a sudden, some things started being important to him. He said, send for clergymen. I wish to be baptized. He had never had time in his adolescent years or as a young man. He had never had time as a private or, or as he became a general. His wound would not stop or slow down in the war. And everything around him was left vir vir virtually unchanged except for one thing, his priorities. Within minutes left before he would die and pass from this life, the one thing he cared about was preparing for eternity. He wanted to be baptized, and 30 minutes later he was dead. Now, this general did not understand the Bible completely because the Bible is very clear. You do not need to be baptized to get saved. And all God's people said, Amen. baptism does not save. Some churches falsely teach that, and they baptize infants. Never once in the Bible was an infant baptized. There's a preacher that I know. He's now with the Lord. And when he would preach, he would say, he would offer people a million dollars. Now, he didn't have a million dollars. But he said, I'll offer you a million dollars if you can show me one Bible verse where an infant was baptized. Nobody came with one. Nobody came with one. Why? Because there's not one verse in the Bible where an infant is baptized. Only those who understood in their heart and believed and called upon the Lord have been baptized in the Bible. That's the biblical way for baptism. Other churches have used that as a way to make money and false doctrine. We want to make sure the doctrine is from the Bible, not from just what we make up. Amen? Amen. He died for you. People today are confused because a lot of people made stuff up that wasn't in the Bible. General William Nelson, too bad somebody didn't just tell him, Sir, all you need to do is call upon the Lord. Repent. Turn from your sins to the Savior. Call upon Jesus Christ. Repent, and he will save you. He died for you. He died for me. He was buried. Verse 59. Verse 59, it says, after he died, uh, he was crucified. He now dies on the cross. Now, Jesus gave up his own life on the cross. Often with the Romans, when they would crucify somebody... That individual would continue to try to breathe and try to breathe until they, they would lift themselves up by their legs. And that's how they would continue to breathe. But Jesus Christ was so physically weak that he could not lift himself up. And when he did give up the ghost and died, of his own will he died. He gave up his life. They stuck a spear in his side and out came water and blood, which medically you understand he had already passed by that being thrust in his heart when water and blood came out, signifying he had already died. 
The others, they had to break their legs in order for them to die. That was a custom. They would break the person's legs so they would no longer be able to lift themselves up. And so they would have to die immediately. But Jesus died in fulfillment of the scripture, which was that not a bone of him would be broken. It was a promise of the word of God. So you've got to understand, Roman tradition, they would break your legs. They did not break Jesus' legs because he had already died. All right? He died and then he was buried. When Joseph, verse 59, took his body, it says, and he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Joseph takes the body of Jesus. He has permission to do it. And he wants to honor the Lord, puts him in his own tomb. Now, I've been to the garden tomb where they believe the Lord was buried. We understand that Joseph was a rich man, and the garden tomb is an area where there was a wine vat where they would press out the grapes with their feet, and you see that right there, and in that same garden area is the garden tomb right there. And so it's understood uh, that with all, it's right outside the gates, as was promised, right outside of the walls of the city of Jerusalem, and that is the place where Jesus was buried, as we understand. I wasn't, back, I wasn't there back then, okay? But what I understand from studying history and from having been to the Holy Land, that is where he was buried. You know, my friend, if there was any, if there was any way that he would have swooned and came out of the grave some other way, everybody would have known. But he didn't. He died. He was fully dead. He was buried. And thank God he rose again. Amen. Donald Gray Barnhouse was a preacher, and his wife passed. He was driving on the way to the funeral of his wife, and he was taking his children in the vehicle. As they were driving down the road, and he was reflecting on what he was going to preach on and his words, he says, as he came to one small town, there strode down in front of us, the truck came to stop. There was a truck there, and... As the, it was the biggest truck he had ever seen, and the sun was shining on it in such a right angle that it took its shadow and spread it across the snow in the field beside it. As the shadow covered the field, he said to his children, look at that truck, look at its shadow. If you had to be run over, which would you be run over by? Would you rather be run over by the truck or by the shadow? And the youngest child said, Daddy, the shadow couldn't hurt anybody. That's right. And he continued, death is the truck. But the shadow is all that ever touches the Christian. The truck ran over Jesus. The shadow is all that has gone over this loved one. He was buried. Thank God Jesus then rose from the dead. Verse 1 of chapter 28. After three days have transpired, at the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. They loved the Lord. They had watched him back in verse 61 of chapter 27. They had watched him be buried. And now they wanted to see firsthand. They wanted to be eyewitnesses of what would transpire. It says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Can you imagine that? 
Imagine seeing that. Here comes an angel, pushes the stone back. And they go in to see. The angel says, fear not, for I know who you see. You seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. You realize they didn't have to open the door for Jesus to get out of that tomb. He came out because as God, you can pass through walls. See, God is omnipresent. He is in all places, at all times. He's aware of everything going on. You say, then, why does he allow evil to happen? Answer this question. Why did he allow his son to die? Because he loves us. We live in a broken world. And he sent his son to be the savior. Suffering happens. But thank God he's the savior and he's victorious. He rose again. He had promised to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he still is the way, the truth, and the life. He still is the ever-living, ever-loving Savior. And in Luke 19 and verse 10, he said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He loves to redeem, to rescue, and to save. And today he stands with open arms saying, Come in. He wants to let you to let him inside your life. Come, let me in. Revelation 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door... I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. The Lord wants you to invite him into your home. It's a beautiful thing when the Lord Jesus comes into a home. I've had the privilege to come to homes in our community where Jesus Christ was not there. Where the world was reigning in the home. But then they gave their life to Christ. They came back to visit. There was order. There was structure. The children were behaving well. There was peace. There was Christian music playing. There was harmony. And Jesus Christ was allowed to be king. There was a distinct difference between the first visit and when Jesus Christ came. When Jesus Christ comes into our home, he changes it. He makes all things new. He comes and changes our life, and he changes everything. He does not want to leave us in bondage. He wants to set us free. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And today we get to celebrate with those who have chosen to follow Christ in faith. Baptism does not save. Only Jesus saves. But baptism is identification with Christ. Even Jesus himself was baptized of John. Showing his humility and his identification with baptism. Picturing for us what we need to do. And today we get to celebrate with those who have chosen to follow Christ in faith. Either Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And today the question is, will you let him come into your life? He is the resurrection and the life. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, it tells us this is the gospel, that Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and that he rose again. And I'm so thankful that he rose again, victorious. And then after he was seen of the disciples and of 500, he went up to that mount and went up to heaven, and one day he's coming back again. And my friend, I can't wait for that day. This world is getting to be a very messy place. Jesus is coming back. And you know, today it concerns people thinking of all the government's doing to try to spy on you through their phone, right? People say, oh, wow, it's so scary. I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and when they were talking about that, I said, you know, but the thing is, God's known all those things about us 
all the time. Say, but the microphone on your phone is probably listening to you all day long. Yeah, it is. Even when it's off, yes, it is. But God's listening too. And he was listening long before that iPhone ever came out. He's well aware of everything that goes on in our life. You say, is he there to condemn us? No, he sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But he says, whosoever rejects him will be condemned. You say, what's the opportunity? Call upon the Lord. And as these have called upon the Lord, you have an opportunity to call upon the Lord in faith. And today, to ask him to be your savior. I encourage you, when the service concludes afterwards, to find me in the lobby. If you don't know Christ as your savior, we will not embarrass you. But my friend, give you an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord. Too many times uh, people want to maybe bap get baptized or get their child baptized or somebody. Just get them through the water. That way they get saved. No, 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 no. That does not save you. They need to come to a place on their own where they turn and put faith in Christ. I got baptized when I was five, did not understand what happened. But when I was 13, on my own, came to faith in Christ. Having heard a convicting message, God opened the Bible to me, and I understood that I was hellbound. I had rejected Christ, and I needed to call upon his name. And when I got saved, my friend, I wanted to come to church, and I said, hey, I want to get baptized. They said, but you already did back when you were five. I said, but you know what? I didn't understand it back then. And now I have called upon the Lord. Look, I think it was a little bit pushed, right? Now I understood. And that's, once you understand, it is time to identify with Christ. I encourage you, if you've never called upon the Lord, you need to call upon his name today. You need to ask him, invite him into your life. Let him be your savior. And then you need to pick up your Bible and start to read it. You say, where? Start to read it, my friend. The entrance of his word gives light. When you let it come in, it starts to illuminate your life. And it brings power and strength. I thank God for what he is doing in our church. And I want to encourage you. I want to take a moment uh, and encourage those who have prepared and uh, are going to be baptized. You guys go ahead and you can slip out at this time. And the rest of us right here will just take a moment um, to uh, the piano would play. And I want to invite you to just take a moment to pray in your seat and to meet with the Lord this morning. And so uh, I encourage you to uh, find a place. Uh, let's all stand for a moment. Let's stand and uh, take a moment to seek the Lord. As we stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're just here in this place that you'd say, you know what, Pastor Dan, I heard the message. I know Jesus died for me. I know he was buried. I know he rose again. But in my heart, there's, there's some doubts. In my heart, there's some questions and would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, there's some questions in your heart about your relationship with God, and you want to get that settled, and maybe that's not going to happen today for you, but I encourage you to seek out and let the Lord uh, work in your heart. But if that's you, and God's speaking to your heart about some area, and you say, you know what, Pastor Dan, pray for me. The Lord's speaking to my heart. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? Pray for me. God's speaking to my heart. Pray for me. God's speaking to my heart. Anyone like that? Maybe you're here in the room, and as a Christian... Maybe the Lord is speaking to you about letting Jesus Christ be Lord of all. Would you take a moment right now to pray as the piano plays? And would you take a moment to ask him, invite him, and let him be the Lord of your life? If you want to come forward and pray, you're welcome to do that. I'm going to slip off to the baptistry this time.